Well, welcome back to another episode of the Miles Driven with me, Miles. And Chief Weatherman. New job. Yeah. Why, why Weatherman? Oh, because you walked in in the rain. No, just And told me it was raining. I'm in charge of weather. Yeah, fair enough. Um, anything that you want to start the podcast with, Sam? Otherwise, yes, I'd like a technical report on the fact that it's raining outside. Yes, it is. Just doing my weather report for the day. Excellent. And it will be raining tomorrow. Any? Uh, it's looking like on Saturday, it's going to rain. Okay. And then on Sunday, cloudy with a chance of rain. Wow. Temperatures? That, that, uh, low. Low. Yeah. What's funny is that we're recording this a few <laughs> days before it comes out. <laughs> but if there's but it's, all, sudden... it's still going to be true. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. Um, today, we're going to cover... Engine oil. Ooh. It's been a my how exciting. Yeah, it's going to be slightly technical, but we'll try and keep. Well, I'm sure Sam will try and keep it somewhat yeah. interesting. Um, and then we'll do a little bit for the week's car news. I think. Ooh. So first off, I need to buy engine oil for my car to service it. That's not a surprise. You own a Range Rover. Surprise! It doesn't need oil every day. That would be broken, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, but you bought it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, the problem is that because of its age, it has a, basically when you look at oil, you'll have like a specification that it needs. So everyone's heard of, well, most people have heard of something like a 5W30 oil mm-hmm. or a 0W40 or whatever. And it just means the temperatures that it operates within, in very basic language. But additional to that, different oils have different characteristics and they're given different ratings next to them. Right. Like A1, A2, A3, C1, C2, C3. I assume you went for the best. The problem is, is it's not a case of, you know, like, just buy the C5. because And that would go into so a Ferrari. That's what you should buy yeah. in your car, C5. You <laughs> should put it underneath <laughs> yeah. it. See, the, the problem is, is that if you buy the one... For, for a lot of engines, it might not make that much difference. If it's high performance, it'll make a difference. And if it's something that's turbocharged, it will make a difference. And the problem you'll find is, for example, on my car, it says I need to use this particular code. And then it says A1 at the right. end. So I looked up and I'm, I, I was searching forever. <laughs> I cannot find this specification with A1. After quite a bit of searching, I found out they no longer make that specification <laughs> in A1. So it's been superseded by A5. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll search it with A5. And then it gives me a different code to search up. Right. And the reason it's doing that is because it's basically saying, well, it's a diesel, so it has a DPF, so you need this low ash type specification. Okay. But when you go to the handbook, it says DPF or no DPF because they were optional at the time of production right. for your vehicle. Okay. And so then I thought, well, I'll, I'll ask some people that know. And they all gave me answers for the other TDV8 engine, okay. the bigger one, yeah, that's the newer one. And I said, the problem is the 3.6 has this sort of, it's, it's quite robust, but the one issue that a lot of people pick up is that it can get a bit of oil sludge fed into the turbos, kills the turbos. In your car? Yes. Oh, there we go. We know, at least we know how it's going to die now. And, so, and, and that would be game over, because it would be... Yeah, that's how you like to do your cars. <laughs> it would be um, about four grand at a garage. To do it yourself, you need to buy the parts, leave it on your driveway for at least six months until the weather warmed up. Yeah, well, that's not happening, I'm afraid. No, so, you know, it would be a catastrophe for Sam. 
because when the concrete lorry turns up to make the concrete pad in our back garden, it will just go through your car. It would have to. Yeah, it, and you, that, that's, not, that's, not a pro- that's not a problem to me. Yeah, but it will be. But a when you've got a concrete-filled Range Rover, <laughs> if it's a bloke who's turned up with concrete, it will be. No, it won't. Because What's the, he going to do? Damage his own vehicle to get through no, no, to your we'll, garage? We'll park behind yeah. your car, yeah. smash the windscreen, put the pipe through it, and then just oh, carry yeah. on. And then oh. when, when your driver's seat is full of concrete... Would that work? Yeah. I'd make it work. Yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> um, no, so that, that's why you have to be careful when you're p- purchasing the oil, because some of them protect against sludge. So right, they protect okay. against there being a load of uh, sludge in the bottom of the oil pickup. Other ones will say, for example, it deliberately sticks to certain areas of the engine to protect it. So that when you right. start it cold, you've got a little bit of oil that's already there. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, running it, not dry, but, you know, without optimum amounts of uh, yeah. protection. So some engines are set up for higher wear protection. Some are set up for better sludge protection. And it all depends on the characteristics of the engine. So it isn't a case of just saying, well, this is the best one. I'll just pick that one because yeah. it could be the best one for, you know, uh, a BMW M4. Okay. But absolutely not the best one for you. Or it could be absolutely brilliant for a naturally aspirated Mustang. Yeah, but not and for your... And no good for a twin-turbocharged yeah. car. So this is where a lot of people... Now, saying all of that, I remember speaking to a mechanic years ago that I worked with, and he was like, well, any oil is better than no oil. I was like, yeah, that's fair. You know, it, well, no true. oil is, is the worst case scenario. Yeah. So any oil, even if it's the wrong grade, is better than none. It's just, you know, if you're looking at longevity, you're trying to protect the engine, you're trying to make sure that you've got that, you know, as many things as possible in your favour yeah. to make an engine keep running. You have to get it right. And I, I just wonder, this, the, the 3.6 um, on my car, this sort of, issue of the turbos going i started to wonder well uh, is it the case of people have you know they've come out of side of land rover warranties they're no longer servicing at the dealer they take it to a yeah non-specialist garage just to do a service because all oil is oil is oil and that garage say okay well yeah 5w30 you know a3 mm-hmm. for example which is fine and is compatible but it's not compatible with the coding of the oil that is needed. So, for example, Ford has a different coding to Mercedes. Okay. I would have never thought that made a difference. But because of the compression ratio of the engine and all the other bits, there'll be certain manufacturers, like, for example, Hyundai and Mercedes and Honda, could all be in one yeah. batch. Okay. And you could have Ford and Land Rover and BMW off in a different batch. Right. And it's just... That they sort of say, okay, all these engines kind of fall within this spec, so you can use this coding, and they need sludge protection. Yeah. All of these engines, they don't really need so much sludge protection, but what they really need is bearing wear protection. So it just depends on the characteristics of how you've built the engine. So I have spent days trying to make days. sure. Days. I mean, trying to, like, just checking, and I'm thinking, no, I'm driving myself mad with this. I should just get this one. And then I look and I think, well, hold on. This is the one that people are now saying they buy because this would not be an issue if I could walk into any motor factory and say, yeah, here's the coding of my engine. Could I have an oil that's compatible? And they say, yeah, there you go. But it's been discontinued. Right. Okay. So the A1 on that spec is discontinued. So then you have to make sure 
you know, uh, it was Castrol was all that I built because um, Land Rover suggested by Castrol. Mm-hmm. I could have bought a different brand, and there's some really good British um, oils that I was going to go with. It was only because in the end I thought, you know, for this first service that I'm doing it, let me stick to Castrol, who's recommended by Land Rover. That doesn't necessarily mean that they won't, you know, you couldn't use a load of others. But for this one, one I stick with the brand they're talking about. But yeah, there was loads of other really good manufacturers that do oils. It was just a headache. To then you you'll see them and they will say, "Okay, we fit to this coding," and you're like, "That coding is if I have a DPF. Is that okay to use with a non-DPF? That oh, should be fine. Should be fine. Should be. It's not the sort of thing that you want to be operating on. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about a higher mileage older vehicle, the words should and fine are not what I want to operate on, especially when should be fine could result in catastrophic engine failure yeah because the tur what happens is you know the turbos they essentially get when when they get sludge go through them they um they seize okay so then they can't process any air so then the engine stalls that would hamper your performance it would if you remember um i think it was jeremy clarkson about two years ago said his his range rover was broken well that's what happened to him basically oh taking the engine with it he opted to just do an engine rebuild, which a lot of people who are deciding to keep these vehicles long term, yeah, especially if you've owned one from new and you've got 16 years running out of it, they're just saying, well, I'll just rebuild it and get another 16 years. Because if, if I've got 16 years out of the original engine and yeah. you want to keep it because, you know. Yeah, you'd think that that would be all right for that would be if okay. you did it again. yeah. Um, and, you know, the cost of rebuilding versus the cost of buying a brand new Range Rover or mm-hmm. buying even a used one, you know what the car you've got. But if you're trying to desperately avoid <laughs> that any scenario, money, any expenditure yes, at all. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I've had a lot of fun with that. The other thing I had a bit of fun with was um, fuel filter. Right. I don't normally change a fuel filter, but I don't know when my one's been changed. Yeah. And it was one of the most expensive service items I had to buy. <laughs> so it's that horrible thing of, it's probably fine. I've never changed one before on a car because, you know, just within regular servicing, you've usually got Oil filter, air filter, pollen filter, oil. Yeah. Sump plug. That, that's your, you know, that's a major service. And a small service is just your oil or oil filter. Yeah. New plug. Job done. So, oh, do I really want to put new oil fil- uh, fuel filter on it? I'm like, well, I don't know how long the one that's been on there has been on there. Yeah. It could be that when it had its service a year ago, which was 3,000 miles ago, they thought, oh, well, we don't know when it's had a new fuel filter and put one on there, but is it a risk I'm going to take? And you don't have any service history? I have service history, but the, I, like, the gaps are not perfect. Right, okay. So you it's, don't know whether it's, it's no, not it, listed on the items. That it's clear change. to me that someone was getting an invoice and not stamp. Like, you would see it would be the same garage, but they would stamp the book every, like, three years. Oh, okay. But the they would put a little tick or something in between. You're like, oh, I should have an invoice for that. Yeah. And then I don't. And then right, okay. that was, you know, years ago. But I have the last service. But unfortunately, they just decided to stamp, put the dates and everything, and not state exactly what they did. Okay. The previous owner said, oh, they did a full job. A full job. But a full job to one person. Isn't to another. Isn't yeah. to another. So, yeah, just a, an interesting fun fact. And if you've got a vehicle that is high performance, it's one of those things you never really think about until you're there, especially if you take your car to a garage to get it serviced. 
And you, yeah, well, you wouldn't think about it then. No, just assume that everything's going to be done. Yeah, if you owned a ten-year-old BMW M3, take it to a BMW specialist, they'll know. But is it a case of they're going to like? Is it a case they're going to say, "Oh, actually, this coding is fine. This one is a little bit." Mm. Yeah. Or are they going to go, "Yeah, this is C3 and it's 5W30. That's fine." And not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they would, but I'm just saying that little bit and, yeah. and, and then you hear about catastrophic engine failures and you're thinking i wonder how much of it if manufacturers were forced like legally forced to go to every engine failure no matter how old the car you know ford have to go out to an old model t <laughs> <laughs> yeah every single one i wonder how many times they would be able to sort of identify that it was something outside of their design parameter because a lot of the time we just blame the manufacturer. Oh, it's a crap engine or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It can't really be. No, it shouldn't be. Not every time. I mean, <laughs> some manufacturers get a bit of a poor rap and they probably, well, some of them probably deserve it. Yeah. But there's got to be more to it. And you just wonder whether some of it is, you know, because um, especially for this, I saw I could buy, uh, what was it called? It was... um like bargain service items or premium service items. So you went with I bought neither and went and did like this the thing myself <laughs> so that I could so that I could pick genuine. Right, okay. Cuz I was like premium sounds good. But yeah. it doesn't say genuine. Yeah, okay. And it was double the price. Wow. Of the But then you and I just wonder how many people who have a Honda Civic Are you picking the premium parts? Probably not. And then you want just you just start to go, oh, their head gasket mm. fails. Oh, well, it's Honda's rubbish. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> is, is it... there something else going <laughs> yeah. on there? It's particularly when oil is the lifeblood of an engine. Yeah. Like, full stop. You know, you've got a bad oil filter you've, or you've got a cheap one. It's just all those little things. Just, just really interested me this week. And I'm sure it's not interested anyone that's listening <laughs> to this podcast. But, but it might have. You never know. Yeah. Well, especially if we've got people that have slightly older vehicles that listen who may come across the same issue yeah because i didn't think for my vehicle i'd come across that problem it was only when i then looked into it and people were like oh yes yeah, so uh castrol just because it was castrol that land rover suggests so they give you the castrol code mm -hmm. and then they say oh, it was this particular one you want to buy okay. then they released a supersede notice but the problem was they released that in like 2013 14 yeah and the product that they suggested you should use to, to supersede the one you can't is also no longer made wow. and they didn't <laughs> give a notice <laughs> for that so you're kind of just left there and you're thinking well there's owners forums and you know there's always going to be a little bit of preference and obviously an owners forum is very useful for older cars because yeah if you've got say three thousand people on there that are quite enthusiastic and they're all doing the same thing and they're not suffering a problem yeah then part of it is going to be the fact they're on an owner's forum. They probably take good care of their car. Yes. But the other part is they've probably started to identify, you know, what's good, what's not so good, what's the absolute best one. Because the other thing I came across was um, OEM parts. Mm -hmm. I used to do car parts years ago, and I remember we always used to quote to OEM part, but OEM and genuine yeah. are two Different. separate oh, okay. things. But one, the difference can be it's the original company that make it for the manufacturer that doesn't have the manufacturer stamp on it. Okay. So if, um, 
Bosch, for example. Bosch make loads of, just, mm-hmm. like, just make everything for electronics. But wiper blades, yeah, they make wiper blades. You could go to a dealer and they'll sell you a Bosch wiper blade and it might just have their emblem on it. Okay. It's going to be double the price of if you just went to, you know, Bosch. Or, something. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, have, or Bosch themselves and just said, can I just buy one of these? Like, yeah, half price. Yeah. So they're OEM. Okay. But they're not. They can't put themselves as genuine because they haven't got that little stamp, which is the part number <laughs> that the manufacturer would give you. So, yeah, that's bad. Um, on to interesting car news, Sam. If So I thought I'd start with a news story that you'll like, Sam. Uh, okay. Porsche are going to significantly raise their prices. Well, that's good because they've always been quite cheap. And yes. I've always thought Porsche really could be making more of a premium product here. Yeah. Uh, it's not to increase the product. It's to keep their profits the same Obviously. as... 2022 we well, wouldn't want to lose any money would you no um they're basically saying they had a really good year in 2022 and to maintain that for shareholders oh obviously um they're going to increase prices across the board because and this is where and we've talked about it over and over again on the podcast and i think we have to be a little bit careful uh overall when we look at the market because if porsche is saying this every manufacturer is saying it yeah porsche is saying we have to electrify all of our range. The okay. cost of doing that is very high. Yeah. For us to maintain the profits we've been able to keep do to get last year, we have to put all of our prices up. That's internal combustion and electric. So what that says to me is, because some people have decided that we have to have electric cars, all of us, every yeah. single one of us, that we have to pay for it as well like whether you're buying an electric car today or not you will pay for it yeah and i I find that a little bit like i understand i'm not having a pop at porsche here because i think they're just the ones that have come out and said it because they have colossal wait lists yeah and so they can basically say look our prices are going to go up we know our customers are going to stay with us because we're not going to change the quality of our product i.e we're going to keep it at this high level we're not going to dilute it but are they though yeah, no, they or is, are they going to try and cost save where they can no, to make even more money? Not Porsche, no. But they if, know if every manufacturer is going to do this, I think people... I think there will be other manufacturers that will do that. Do you think mm-hmm. that they think they can all get away with it because so many people are just leasing cars now? Yeah, so well, they're not looking at, well, this Porsche is £110,000, for example. This Porsche is £750 a month. Yeah. I think and it's, it's gone really, from seven fifty yeah. to seven seventy a month. It's a valid point that someone, someone, somewhere, eventually has to pay that increase in price. Yeah. Now, of course, it will be the person that buys it new, like you say, their their monthly payment will go up. But ultimately, if the price new is higher, the residual price should also be higher if yeah. it is still in demand. Yeah. So that means the used car buyer, and it won't be the second used car buyer because they'll buy oh, no, it. Be people also, like you, right? it, <laughs> but it will be once it trickles down to about ten years old. Yeah, and instead of being a ten thousand pound Porsche Boxster that's a good used bargain for someone to put in their garage for the weekend, it's a twenty five thousand pound car, and that's where I'm not sure where the how the market adjusts because I don't. I, I suppose some there are some markets where that can happen, but it, I remember when I was selling cars, and I, I think it was the Ford Focus was the one. I remember having a meeting um, in the morning, and we were just having a chat about, you know, what, I think it was when I was selling Mazdas. Okay. And we were doing a small price rise, but it was like 
you know, some cars were going up by £150. But we have to, you know, make sure all the prices on the doors are correct and blah, blah, blah. And we had to reprint all the, like, little um, sleeping salesman thing that go under the wheel because you have to have the correct retail price. Right, okay. And my manager said, it's not a big deal, guys. No one's going to notice because the Ford Focus has gone up by five grand. Wow. And I was like, this was years ago. Yeah, this was a decade ago. And I said, really? What What are they doing? And he said, oh, they've worked something out, which they hadn't worked out to this point. The Ford Focus in the UK was being bought by se- like 70% of its market were lease buys for uh, police, you know, government. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, leases for, you know, companies that just need a sales. Hire cars, garages, Basically, I suppose. The majority of the market were not buying the car. They were leasing it. And right. so on the lease market, they just put the price up. And you know who paid the price? We did. The when th- you're buying them. When you're buying yeah. them used. And the 30% of people that were turning up to showrooms with their cash in hand, or not cash in hand, but, yeah. like, oh, I'd like to buy another Ford Focus, please. Yep, that'll be uh, a 25% increase. <laughs> it's like, they won't. And you know what? I, I need to eat my own words, Sam. Because I said, that they'll never get away with it. I bet that'll come down in the next year or two. Well, since then, the it's Ford gone up. Focus has just <laughs> gone up and up and up. And with it, every other car in the market. But I am against the idea if, and this always happens with any product, if there's a new product coming from uh, coming through, they'll increase prices where they can, and it will be those purchases that sort of pay for that yeah. next technology. Because mm-hmm. the company is spending, obviously it's a business, so they need money in, put money out. Yeah. But in this case, it's not Porsche saying, well, okay, we could probably over the next 20 years, you know, slowly, slowly bring in these and we could still keep our profit high if we did that. It's, yeah. we have to do it by this time. We've been told we have to do it by this time, only in certain markets, by the way, because as far as I see at the minute, North America is sort of like teetering. It's, I think it's California that have said 2035. They just want to follow the EU with okay. the ban. But for most of North America... And for most of the rest of the world, you know, whole of Asia, well, basically, I, I don't need to point out all the continents. Yeah. All of the continents <laughs> but Europe <laughs> yeah. are going to sort of say, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll naturally come through on the market. Yeah. People will buy them. People will decide whether they like them or not. If someone's had a BMW i3 10 years ago and they liked it, you can bet that they're currently driving an a electric Tesla. car. Yeah, a Tesla, <laughs> you know, the ID3, Volkswagen, something. They're all BMW i4. They're by, they are driving an electric car. If they liked that early one they had in the yeah. i3 or an early Tesla, they're, they're probably not going to go, I really like electric cars. I'll go back to a... Yeah, you know, it's going to go buy an F-150. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, well, F-150 Lightning. There you go. They've oh, got an yeah. electric pickup truck. From well, it. there you go. But, that's the natural progression of how we usually go down the route of a new technology. So people liked VHS players, then they were offered DVDs. Yeah. People who really liked VHS players said, I'm going to stick with VHS for a bit longer. Yeah. Then slowly, slowly, the movie stopped being released on VHS. So they eventually made Because the demand wasn't there. Not because they were no, fa- because necessarily the, phasing out if, the... If people were still flooding Blockbuster yeah. for VHSs Well, on Blockbuster would still be there for a start. Blockbuster would still be going. I mean, Blockbuster were... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. They were not bankrupted for the reason people think. They were bankrupted because some people at Wall Street decided 
Oh, well, no, yeah, we're not going to go down that road because no, you'll not. be here for ages. No, we're not. But when you look at their business model, they could have transitioned in yeah, the long I, term. I do think that Netflix was probably the beginning of the end for Blockbuster in terms of their sort of dominance of I'll put it to this a way. weekly. But yeah, it would be like a Netflix tradition. Netflix came around in when? Well, Netflix in... started like Blockbuster, didn't they? If you think about it. Because what Netflix was when it started was they would send you a film in the post, yeah. you'd watch it, and then you'd post it back. But so let's say 15 years have been around? I'd say at least. Yeah, I know I was living at home. Yeah. When well, fifteen years puts were... you back to sort of early adulthood. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably about right. If we look at that point in time, and then five years on, I'm going to quickly and Google the streaming when, service, when the streaming early wars begin. Who do you set up a streaming uh, platform with? Netflix, who you only just heard of. Yeah. Or Blockbuster, that you grew up with your whole childhood with. Which one of those two would you sign up? Well, you'd go with Blockbuster, wouldn't you? Right. So do you know what, Miles? We are very wrong. Is it? When when do you think Netflix was created? Oh, I'm going to go with something newer now. So so created, created as a business. So but when did it start as a business? 2002. Do you know what? That's closer than we were before. Oh, 1997. Wow. What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> were they sending out VHSs? I don't know. That was okay. in, that was in California where it started. So maybe okay. it sort of took a while to sort of. But the, the, the point, worldwide domination. Yeah. <laughs> the point with it is that if Blockbuster is stuck around and if they had transitioned, well, yeah, they would have had to change their business model. Yeah. So. Well, they just would. I mean, you know, Toys R Us isn't around because Amazon exists. But yeah. if Toys Toys R Us was another no. one, <laughs> move on. But, but genuinely, was another <laughs> yes. one where if they hadn't been. Crushed... Do you know what the start? Do you know what the problem with Toys R Us was? And I will say this quickly. Mm. I think the problem with Toys R Us is when they started to take staff that weren't employed necessarily they were there on some sort of let's call it work experience for the sake of i it. think i know where you're going and <laughs> two of them would turn up with someone else that they maybe didn't really know or didn't like from school you know and they would sort of argue with each other they'd take the mick out of each other maybe two of the blokes would throw empty cardboard boxes and like stuff at the other guy in the back room sort of general teenage horseplay instead of actually doing any work experience do we think maybe that's a fair assumption of some of their incorrect hiring policy? Yeah, well, yeah. but then it was free labour. Re- remaining nameless, obviously, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we will not say whether Miles was the box kicker or the box receiver. Right. <laughs> box kicker or the box receiver. <laughs> Safe to say he would be a very good American football attacking <laughs> yeah. player. Um. I think that the thing is with those companies, if we just ignore you know, some of the... I don't even know where we were, mate. We were talking about Blockbuster uh, and then we ended up at Toys R Us. Is that as these companies sort of came and went, it was because they didn't keep up. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we say, can yeah. see in the car market today, Tesla, exi- they, like, Tesla exists. Mm-hmm. It, it has existed for over, well, probably 20 years, but 10 years seriously in the market. Okay? Yeah. There is no way that BMW, Audi, Mercedes, all these other manufacturers that were seeing Tesla sell cars for $100,000, pounds, whatever, were actually just going to ignore that and say, yeah, we'll just keep selling combustion engines. They were always oh, going to yeah. come with their own offering. The difference has been that when you put a, a hard deadline on a company who have been doing one thing for 100 years, you're basically saying, I don't want the market to work as it should. Because yeah. Blockbuster decided, well, we've been renting movies out of our things, out of our shops for ages. Why should we change? And they paid the price. Yeah. Did <laughs> they ever go to DVDs? 
Yeah, they were sure yeah. There was a blockbuster, if you remember where I used to live on the high street. Yeah, yeah, there was one, there was one the corner, at the end of the yeah. road, which is now a shop for gambling food. Oh, fried food. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, my wife actually gone there. Yeah. I've been in there. It's it, so it makes weird. a change that it's not a gambling establishment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the gambling shop's next door oh, to okay. it. <laughs> it's so weird to go into a shop that you used to... I used to go in there on a Friday and get some popcorn yeah. and DVD. And you go back, the whole thing's gutted. And you're like, all of these things, like the shape of the place and having aisles in a certain way, it looks familiar, but everything else has changed. Yeah. <laughs> Where um, are the films? <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. So they, they didn't keep up. No. And they didn't go and try and find investment to keep up. With electric cars, what we've got is there's one manufacturer that was sort of dominating the, the higher end of electric car production. Yeah. You had a, I mean, Nissan released the Leaf over 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's not like car manufacturers hadn't started to have a good crack at this. What I find bizarre is that then instead of saying, I wonder how long it would take them to get their by themselves and just to, they'll also can keep offering combustion engines they put a hard deadline on it i, I just find that yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense does it but what what happens when you do that is that car manufacturers go that's a lot of investment and they go to the city and they say how much are you willing to give us and they're like well we're willing to give you quite a lot because you're quite well established but you're also quite well established for selling this thing yeah, that has and you're trying an to sell engine. something else <laughs> yeah and we really don't know how many I think I told you there was a statistic that in California there's like 17 new EV startups a week or something, which is insane. Yeah, because it's just where are they all? Oh, they're going nowhere, Sam. Because (laughs) they all come in with this absolutely mad idea of I know nothing about cars, but I know loads about tech. So all you do is you put a battery, put some old body on top of it, stick it out the door, and people will buy it. You're like, you have vastly (laughs) underestimated the challenge that car manufacturers. I mean, good. Brilliant car manufacturers no longer exist. Saab no longer <laughs> exists as a car company. But Mitsubishi had to pull out of the UK market. These are yeah. these are car manufacturers that if I was to say name a few absolute sort of classic banger car, you would start stepping across them and they don't exist. I would say Rover, but I mean Rover had a good shot at it. But did they? <laughs> I, I was trying to think of like the they had that in what was that? I oh, know that was an MG. Yeah, that's a different company. But it wasn't in the end. They had to merge. Well, yeah. And then, they, <laughs> and then they still fell apart. But, you know, something like the Rover 75, I know today just looks like a very aged vehicle. A bit but like the Jaguar its... S-Type. Yeah. But in its time then, when they were, they were trying to get a completely different market today, and I could completely see why people were attracted to their product. The problem was... After they released that car in 1995, they didn't have a follow-up, <laughs> yeah. which is an interesting sort of segue into the point of when you talk about electric cars, I do wonder, we've seen the, the main manufacturer, mm-hmm. which is Tesla, release their electric car, 2012, the S. Off that platform, they built the 3. Pretty much they built the X as well, which is the 4x4. Then you've got the Y. Mm-hmm. What they haven't done, you know, the S that was sold in 2012 is still sold brand new today with a mild facelift. There's no new. There's no new. Like, that. that's the thing that's interesting for me. And I, I, I can only guess it's because they go, well, it costs so much to get here, you know, to get the tech yeah, in the car. It's not as simple else. as just, oh, let's, we're going to keep the same engine, but we're going to fetter with the 
everything is set up on that car to work for as the that, setup as, that as platform. it is. Yeah. yeah. And the problem is, is what car manufacturers generally do is they go, oh, we've had six, seven years on this platform. Let's bring in a new one. Yeah. They might be able to stretch 10 years of a platform. Yeah, but then they, they would say, well, we're going to save a bit of weight by doing this and we're that going to change the yeah, styling the by thing. doing this. Yeah. But you can't change the styling of the electric car because then you're going to add drag and whatever else. And then you're, you're already starting. The performance is then yeah. ruined. But lightness, then that's the interesting thing is that no manufacturer, I mean, Tesla would say they are out ahead and BMW have got their i4, but that's a new car. Yeah. So it will be another six, seven years before they think of replacing that car. Probably five years, actually, because it's off the three series or sorry, the, the four series Grand Coupe sort of body. Yeah. So they, they, it would be interesting what legacy manufacturers do when it does come up to facelift your car. Because are they going to say, well, we've saved 200 kilos in weight? Maybe, maybe not. That'd be interesting. Oh, Miles' camera is falling off of his, let's be honest, shoddily made mount that he's <laughs> that he's tried to bodge together for today. To be honest, I saw that about five minutes ago and I've been waiting for it to fall off and make a big loud noise. So I shall just fill while Miles is there. Problem is he's trying to now film Sorry a YouTube that. video whilst doing a podcast. Yeah, that's a, it's a bit of a catastrophe going on there. Um not not a catastrophe that we're not used to though that's the fortunate thing about working yeah. here well, the problem is the boss of the podcast is just <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit, a bit of a cheapskate <laughs> on the plus side we've talked about how expensive electric car are you well, going to tell me there's a cheap car coming out there is okay uh, Volkswagen are going to do an ID1 okay and, and they've got an ID like 86 yeah <laughs> enough there i don't know why they've gone down the route of sticking with id i understood it as the first one when they did the what's ID... it supposed to stand for no idea oh, okay but that's the problem isn't it is that i would that be an noid like i understood why for the first one they did it like bmw did the i3 yeah but what's the where's the d coming from no idea. And I just don't... Hey, it's gone! <laughs> if you are watching the podcast, uh, then you won't then have a camera Welcome back to Upside anymore. Down Miles. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I shall try and fix this quickly for you and put no, it down. No, no, it's fine. Just no, leave no. it. It's, it's, no, it's no we shall fix it. We shall fix it live. There you go. I'm not sure that what you're doing is fixing it. No, I don't. I don't think it is. I can sit and hold it like this if you like. Excellent. Brilliant, yeah. No, because I've only got... Now I've only got one camera and it's on you. So if I could not have you holding another camera in the shot... Yeah, but I don't want to be solely on, on the no, video no, on my own. We've got our main video. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, All it's, you need is something small just to put under there like that, though, and then it will sit up. Yeah. Which is really good for all of our listeners. Anyway, I found some I found some cardboard that I can fix it with. You carry on. You talk. Right. The main... Oh, sorry. I, I was talking. You talk for a second. The point I was going to say is that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why stuff. they've stuck with the ID stuff because I understood they did it for the first one, the ID3. That's it, making a nice scratching noise. That the... <laughs> yes, all right. But I have fixed the problem. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm back now. The, the thing that it, I would understand if there were a new car company yeah. to just come in with a new naming scheme because that makes 100% sense, especially if you're launching another one. You know, like, say it to be Cupra. Yeah. I then completely get that Cupra have gone. Oh well, the only one you know they they still got the Leon, but only because it is the same body yeah, as the okay. regular Leon that sounds say itself. But the rest of the stuff they've named their own thing, and I completely I think that's fine. That's good, you know, good for them. They've they've got their yeah, own. Yeah, they've stuff got really going. good names as well, <laughs> and, and they're trying to sort of carve their themselves out. The problem for Volkswagen is 
the Golf, the Polo, the Passat, you know, the um, the Artyom, if you want to go for that mm-hmm. sort of size, the Atlas if you're in the US or Toreg if you're over in the UK, like, or sorry, in the rest of the world. These are really well-known, established names. Yeah. So to just replace them all, like they have the ID3, ID4, ID5, this is going to be just the ID1. So there must be an ID2. And what I can think is ID1 has to be somewhere between a polo and maybe an up. Uh, up. It's got yeah. to be an up, hasn't it? 17 grand for Can, can you make car. an upsized electric car that works? They though. did make an up electric. Did they? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, there you go. Shut yeah. me up. I just want to quickly jump in and just say, I just want to finish the point before the, cat- the yeah, catastrophe yeah. started. Um, what I don't understand is the the letter I. Why I? When we're talking about electric. I know there is, an, there is an I in electricity, but it's right at the end. Yeah, you kind of think E would be You'd think E natural. would have been what you'd gone with. Like, why I? It doesn't really have any resemblance. A lot of them or any, Sorry, I not resemblance. Any... Um, um relation is the word i was looking for doesn't have any relation to electricity does it what's the german word for electricity does it begin with an i do you think that's what they do oh yeah i'd know that i (laughs) thought you were fluent in german (laughs) i can google it for you i'm just thinking to myself that maybe it's probably not but because it's bmw do the i you know i four yeah this is what i don't understand yeah volkswagen going down the id something uh, what are what are Audi doing? Are oh, they doing E? They're no, doing e it is elektrisch. Right, yeah. So it's not that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say because Audi are doing E Tron. Yeah, that makes more there, sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. E for electric just, Tron. Why the Tron though? It was, <laughs> what the equivalent to me is? It's like Coca Cola saying we've got a new type of Coca Cola. You know, like the cherry or yeah, it's, or it's P one. Yeah, we're not going to call <laughs> <For> it Pepsi <laughs> Coca Cola. <laughs> we're going to call it the vanilla. Yeah. And people will look at it and go, that's in the same colours of Coca-Cola, but it doesn't have a Coca-Cola thing on. Is it a rip-off? Is it like you yeah. <laughs> basically you've got all this brand loyalty that you've built up over a hundred years and gone, yeah, let's just throw that away and we'll just try this. <laughs> but then at Christmas you could have the uh, the jingle bells and then the vanilla, it's always the real thing. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone would know what you're talking about. You know what, Sam? If they uh, if they nick that, then we we well we won't. Well, I have truth. sung it on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have some more news for us? Because I've got a complaint. If you want me to I'll complain, do about your something. complaint, Sam. Yeah. Right. So about oh, where are we now? Probably three or four weeks ago. It's a Mazda complaint. So you know immediately where we're going. <laughs> Um, Are we going to talk about your wife's car? Yes. Right. Apart from the fact it still fills up with water every time it rains. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, it really is. The service light came on. Okay. And yeah. I thought, that's weird, because the car was serviced four or five months ago. Towards the end of last year, the car was serviced. All right. I was like, that's odd. Oh, actually, I do remember you saying that you were going to have to go and pick the car yeah. up. Yeah. I think yeah. it was the day you were podcasting. You know what? It so was December, gonna... I remember. Yeah. 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 God, it's not um, been three months ago. Yeah. So I was like, it might have been before December, to be fair. I was like, that's weird. I was like, so while we were driving um, at the weekend, I said to my wife, I said, well, can you, I was driving, I said, get the service history out of the, out of the glove box. And when was it last serviced? And she's like, well, it was last serviced on, I think it's currently on 60,000. It was, it was serviced on 54. Okay. I said, right, what is Mazda's service interval for the two? Googled it and it's. Do you want to have, I mean, you can have a guess uh, if you 12, want. 12,000 miles one year? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I was like, right, so you've done six. <laughs> Why has that come on? And I said to her, okay, well, just in case, Google when Mazda want you to change the timing belt. Just in case, for whatever oh, reason, okay. it's decided because it's you've done 60,000, 60, right. we'll stick that on, you'll take it in, and they'll tell you to do it. But, okay, so she Googled that. Mazda recommend you change the timing belt every Mr. X Mazda employee. Do you know Although what? You I... did, they didn't have the two then, so I'll let you well, they Oh, did they have, did, but they not, did, but not yeah. the generation that she's driving. But I think um, I think it's a lot longer than I used to think. I always used to say 60,000. I'm going to say 80,000. 100,000. Wow. Uh, is there a recommendation for it? Is it a, it's, a, it's not a chain, obviously. It must no, be a belt. No, so it's for the belt, yeah. So they're saying 100,000 miles on a rubber belt. Yeah. Rubber has must in the last 15 years the, the there must be some new technology behind rubber. Yeah. Because it's gone from 60,000 to 100,000 like that's I don't know if I'd want to risk it. So, so my, the only thing I can think of that I could think of at the time is well they obviously didn't reset the Yeah, they the didn't, didn't reset the And light. I said to was the light on when we took it in for service last? She's like oh, I can't remember. So I was like okay, what was Did the service before be that? Yeah, okay. Maybe that was it whatever it would have been 6,000 less so 48,000 when was the last service that was at 40 oh. right so why is this light on yeah that doesn't make any there, sense it literally there's no reason for that light to be on because it, it doesn't need the cam belt doing I don't know that the service light would come on for that anyway but let's just say they programmed uh, it so it, it would uh, well to be fair on your you've got the screen and I think on there it tells you your brake. It tells you th service items separately. So I right, think you okay. can check last time the brakes were done. So it wouldn't surprise me if the cam belt had a separate yeah. sort of service line to come up and tell you. But to be fair, if you took it into a dealer, say on 90,000 miles, they'd say your cam belt's doing 10,000 miles. Do you want to just do it now? Yeah. So it, exactly. It's very rare you'd actually reach the... You know, especially when we took it in on 54. Especially when you're going to the dealer. For and we did take it to the dealer. I yeah. don't know if we necessarily will do the next one because we were chatting about it. And I said, I don't know how much clout that holds anymore. If you've got full service history. Full dealer service. The main advantage of a full dealer service, and this is to anyone listening, the main, main advantage is for your goodwill side of things. Oh, of course. If you go yeah. in with a six-year-old vehicle and you can say, look, I've got a full stamped book from this dealer and I've had this failure. Yeah. You are much, much more likely. You've to got some. Get. You've got. Yeah. And it could be that the manufacturer says we'll cover the parts side of it. It could be that they'll cover yeah. the 50 50 with you. I've seen it once or twice. And I, this is not the rule, but I've seen it once or twice where a manufacturer said we'll cover the whole cost of a repair. Yeah. Because well, they did. They did with has just out yes, of warranty. For uh, just out of warranty. Because, it, you know. You're basically saying, I bought a product, I brought it back to you, you haven't told me that this problem is going to turn up, and although I'm outside of any warranty that you give, it's on you to tell me. Yeah. You know, I'm not the expert here, you are. See, now I would have carried on with going to Mazda, but when I last went in, when it had the recall for the fuel pump, which they replaced, I said to them about this boot thing. Oh, yeah. I remember. I mean, and this has been going on yeah. for a while, yeah. So basically, I don't know if for everybody who hasn't heard what the problem is before... Basically, when it rains, the boot lining, so the interior of the boot, will fill up with water, and so will the spare wheel well, which doesn't anymore because I took the rubber grommet out of the bottom. So that was a problem solved for that, so it just drains out. <laughs> problem but, solved. But <laughs> the problem, when you open the boot, water will come out of the, hat, the, the latch yeah. when it's yeah. rained a lot. Yeah. So I said that to them. I said, look, I have flagged this problem up 
every time I've been into Mazda with the previous problem it had with the fuel injector spark plug problem that it had. Mm-hmm. Any chance you can have a look at it. I know it wasn't with you, it was with the other branch, but like, yeah, that's fine. We'll have a look at it. We can see that you flagged it up. It's on the system. Took it back and they're like, oh, we think the problem is there's a bit of clouding on the light cluster. So we think maybe the seal's gone on the light cluster. I think we might have had a conversation so, separately off the yeah. podcast. So I thought, okay, great. Seat. So they're going to replace the light cluster. Not a problem. Sorted. We'll see. Yeah. And then she said, right, so that'll be £550 per side for the light clusters. So I was like, oh, so that's not going to be with you guys. Oh, no, it's out of warranty. I said, but you can see it's been flagged up within warranty and no yeah. one bothered to do anything about it, despite me asking. I was very polite about it. I didn't say it in the angry, oh, way, yeah, angry yeah. way that I'm saying now. Oh, no, that's not something we'll be doing. So I thought, and then at that point, I thought, do you know what? What is the point in us going? I mean, we're going to sell the car soon anyway, but what is the point in us then going with the dealer service now? Because they're not even honouring the fact that it's taking on water like the Titanic <laughs> every time it drizzles. I think the Titanic may have taken on slightly more water. Well, I don't know. If I put that rubber bung back in, I reckon <laughs> we could be swimming. <laughs> um, that's a, that. That to me isn't the company that I worked for. No, and it like does, that, it, that's what I find sad when you tell me stories about Mazda because I worked for them, and to this day, when someone says to me, "I just want to buy a car," yeah, one of my suggestions well, is the cars are good. Have you have you gone to a Mazda dealer? Ooh. Just because it's not one people think about. People think of Toyota. Yeah, people think of Volkswagen all these sort of things when they just want a car. Yeah. And it's usually a little bit. Of, have you tried a Mazda? Go and have a drive with them. Because I mean, we like Mazdas. It. We've we yeah, but that dealer, the 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 thing that stood Mazda out. It's a lot like Lexus. Anyone who's listening to this podcast who's owned a Lexus will know that when you go to a Lexus dealer, it's a completely different. I mean, I cannot think of another manufacturer that has such a high service level. You go in with a nine-year-old car. Hi, I've been servicing it with you all this time, and I have a problem. No worries, we'll get it on the ramp straight away. It seems like it's a problem. We've called Lexus already. They're going to pay for it. Yeah. Like these are the sort of stories that you hear from Lexus owners, and you're like, no, like they're not doing that. And then you, it's not one person. It's repeated. And okay, they're not going to pay for a car that's crashed. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely, and I, I wouldn't have done this. My ma- my manager insisted that I try it. Yeah. I had to drive in a used Lexus to the Lexus dealer. To see if they would honour their corrosion warranty on a, <laughs> it was about eight years old, this thing. And the, the guy looked at me and he was like, um, these are stone chips. Like the whole, <laughs> it was a black car and just the whole front was peppered in chips. Yeah. And I was like, I know, but you know, the, the car should stand up to chipping to some degree. Yeah. And this is clearly not. And he, he sort of looked at me in that way of, it looks it, like it's been driven behind a gritter. Yeah, it should stand up to a crash. That doesn't mean it will stand up to being thrown off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he kind of looked at me in that way and I thought, and he said, I will try for you, sir, and I will see if there's anything that Lexus are willing to do. But this is inflicted on the yeah. car. Like We sell paint protection film, things like that. So it's highly unlikely. And I was like, and he tried. And Lexus actually came back and said, they would be willing to do something, but not much. And I was like, I cannot believe that they'll do anything. I can't believe they answer the email. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I cannot believe Lex have looked at this and they've gone, This is, for all intents and purposes, a used car. <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting anything out of this. <laughs> we, we've received a warranty claim for a car that has been used. <laughs> like, that was the end of it. But they were still like, We, we, were not, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do much, but, but we'll do something. We, do un- we do appreciate the point that what you're saying is 
you know, a car will be driven in places where it's going to get rock chip, stone chip, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And there's a certain amount that you accept as wear and tear. This car has a lot of them. <laughs> the problem is there is no way of understanding whether this person spends all of their miles driving behind a gritter. Yeah. <laughs> or, or whether they only drive in a ploughed field. <laughs> <laughs> Upside down, yeah, exactly. being dragged by the tractor. So it's it's like, no. And, and so Lexus were one of those companies. They stand themselves out on their service. Yes, they're very reliable, everything else, and they're, they're nice cars to be in. But that is where, generally speaking, if yeah. you're comparing them off the BMWs, Mercedes, these sort of things, they have started to build a bit of a reputation for being known to be very good with customers. And, you know, as all luxury brands should be. But unfortunately, you know, BMW and Mercedes, they sell uh, an Audi too. I, don't, I, hate, I hate to call them cheap vehicles because they're not cheap, but they sell... Budget. Yeah, lower budget vehicles. And so the sort of service they give really depends on, you know, if you yeah. walk in with a brand new Audi A8, you're going to get a different... I mean, I know in Audi they have an RS department. They have an RS oh, okay. salesman. So if you walk in and say, I want an RS6, you're speaking to a different person. Yeah. And when you go in for servicing everything, that person will be making sure that your experience is different than if someone you turn up with an Audi A1. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking to lease an A1 as cheap as possible. Yeah. It's going to be a different experience. Base but... spec, non-S line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in um, yellow. But Mazda were one of those companies that, despite them not being a luxury brand, they did used to be like we i used to sell cars on that i used to like, look i saw and this is no word of a lie and i would give them a story of someone's come in with a eight-year-old mx5 and they've not been driving it much and something's happened with the roof or something like that and it's been 50 50 or whatever else and people would be like you know that that counts for something yeah because a lot would. of like a lot of companies are just telling you on your bike yeah so you know so to hear that sort of service that you're getting, I don't know, it just it isn't the company I worked for. But whether it's whether you've been unfortunate with the Exactly. We're not saying with, it's the whole company, but no. it's just obviously the experience that we've had. So. Yeah. And that's the thing, is that I just I don't know how much of it is dealers that you've dealt with that are just yeah. not willing to actually exactly. spend the time, put the effort in and, and do the right thing. Because rear light clusters, your car's four years old. Exactly. It's okay. not like it's it's not like I'm bringing in my car. Yeah, exactly. Which is a 2010 plate Astra. Just to put that into perspective, I noticed, because uh, I'd left my wife's car when we went off to Australia, uh, we left her car um, near Heathrow, mm -hmm. came back, and I noticed there was a little bit of condensation in the rear light. I was genuinely going to go to the Sayat dealer and be like, uh, this shouldn't happen. This is an eight-year-old car now. Yeah, just but like, it shouldn't It's happen. coming into its eighth year. I would still go and question it with the dealer, but like, these are... Lights are not something I expect to repair on a car ever. Like bulbs and things, yeah. yeah. Not the light unit. If you can't make them to be sealed for its production life, then you're not doing a good job. Yeah, precisely. End of. Um, couple of little bits uh, I'll add in from my trip to Australia, Sam. Ooh. We pay too much for fuel in the UK. Well, and I know blow me is, down with a feather. It's going to be a <laughs> bombshell. On you know what it is? I, I need to go home and tell my family. Yeah. <laughs> I, I drove up to Newcastle. I was driving back. I said to my wife, I said, That's a long way from, New, from Australia. So yeah, Newcastle. I have a long way. Yeah. You can imagine how much I have to fill up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about three and a half hour drive north of Sydney is 
a different Newcastle. You can really what? tell where the, the original British went around the world, yes. can't you? <laughs> oh, but and you see it all over the US as well and all over Canada. Yeah. And, you know. and just, what the one place, just quickly, sorry, the, mm. the one place in America that you don't immediately recognise has come from the UK is probably one of the biggest, pla- the most like famous places in America. New York. Oh, well, of course, because it was New Amsterdam. I know, yeah, I know it's New York. Yeah. But no one, I, I've, other people might, but I've never really, doesn't automatically make me think. Okay, but you know what? Do you know what I mean? Cause I don't the, know. Because the, the Dutch were there and they named it New Amsterdam. Yeah. And when the British, British got that area. We said that's a rubbish name. <laughs> they, they, they renamed it New York. because yeah, that's a rubbish name. Do you know one of the hilarious ones is, you've heard of Compton. I have. Which is uh, not, you know, it has been historically not the safest places in the US. Well, yeah. that, that, there's a Compton in Somerset. I used to drive through it all yeah, the time. <laughs> Very different. Yes. <laughs> Somerset. Few blokes drinking yeah. a bit of cider on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nothing but... Actual uh, Compton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, I, I said to my wife, I said, oh, just remind me on that petrol station on the way back. And this shows how much of a the wrong... Well, not not the wrong. Because <laughs> that's the cheapest I've found. It was the <laughs> cheapest one I had seen by four cents a litre. And I, and I was like, no, I'll stop there. Which, when I think about it now, it was pointless, right? Because it was $1.66 <laughs> okay. for yeah. petrol. The current conversion rate, pound to dollar, is $1.80 to a pound. Yeah. Less than one pound for a litre of fuel. <laughs> so yeah. you can imagine, and, and I'm going to sound like an idiot, but when I went to go and fill up my car the other day, I hadn't quite reconfigured <laughs> my head off these prices. So I saw at the Shell garage, like 146 uh, petrol, one, you know, I got used to looking at petrol, to be fair, but it was like yeah. 170 diesel. Thought, That's a bargain. Threw my car in there <laughs> and then picked the thing up. And I was putting it, and I was like, why does it say 175? And then I realized it's diesel, but that took me a minute. Yeah. I spent, and then I was like, hold on, this is horrendous. <laughs> I was like, I'm paying so much more for fuel. And I understand it's because, you know, they're, they're being responsible over there with understanding that people have to do long journeys. Yeah. They, they need to be able to, to fund that. And also, the citizens of Australia are not going to accept billions of pounds of profit from the fuel companies while they're extortionately charging people well, well, fuel. Also, also, I think the bigger part is, what did we pay? 60% or 70% of our fuel mm. is government tax? Yeah. So If only there was a government, if only the government could do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> put it up. Genuinely, in a month, <laughs> yeah. they're going to put it up. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just one of those things when you look at it around the world. I know the forever comparison people make is the US to the UK, mm-hmm. which is a completely unfair comparison because people in the US generally drive a lot more miles. They have a lot more. You had a, a you got a friend in the US that you met mm-hmm. on your honeymoon, and they were telling you how far they had to drive just oh, to get yeah. to the airport. So it's like yeah. eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> so you're driving eight hours down a highway. You don't want to. Have I was a, halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to have a small economic vehicle if you're going no. to do eight hours on a highway. You know you need you're going to have something a bit bigger, a bit more yeah. comfortable because sitting for eight hours in a Volkswagen. Well, their, their commute to work was the same time as mine, but like three times the miles because they just sit on yeah, the, inter- just what on they the, call inter- the yeah. interstate. So, so there is a reason why, you know, we can say, oh, we pay more. Yeah, but they buy more. Yeah. And also there is all the political things we don't need to get into. But the, the point is we can't just sort of say, well, they get a better deal than us because if you're yeah. buying a lot more than that, and it is the same with the Australians, I have to add, but it just, 
it, it was a moment where I thought, oh, fuel, well, it's about the same as the UK. And not processing in my head, because I'm so used to seeing a price on a forecourt. I don't, I didn't do the translation. Yeah. Until I'd filled up. And I'd, I was then very, very happy with the fact that I had this hybrid while I was there. Because <laughs> I was like, wow, I've driven all over the place and I've got to put like 30 litres in. And then I was like, that's $45. That's outrageous. Hold on. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) This man needs to take my money now. (laughs) So, yeah, just just a a tidbit of information from from car over there. Very good. Also, I think I mentioned this on the Corolla video I do. Uh, Did I mention it in the last one? The whole thing with indicators on the wrong side? No. So the indicators are on the other side. You're in a right-hand drive vehicle, but the indicators are on the uh, right. Yeah. And your wipers are on the left. Oh, okay. So the amount of times that I went to the, the left on. turn with the wipers on, <laughs> and when it rained once, was indicating like mad. <laughs> so yeah, just one of those oddities. I remember, I think Kia, when they first came to the UK, had that same issue. Because I just remember selling them. and I, ev- no, like Mitsubishi every, have the same problem. Was it Mitsubishi yeah. as well? Every, oh, because you would have driven their... The truck. The truck, yeah. yeah. Every single customer I ever took out in a test drive in one of those cars it's raining, indicators on. Yep. <laughs> and if you want to turn left, you put the, you put the wipers on, but you put them on really fast. Really fast, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that'll do for the podcast, Sam. Oh, that'll do. Uh, Said with such enthusiasm and love. <clears throat> oh, I think that'll do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Let's reason, get out of here. <laughs> for some reason, my voice is not fully recovered, even from a month oh, ago. Oh, you got long COVID. No, I haven't got COVID. I've just No, got... you have. Have I? You didn't have COVID, but you've got long COVID. Right, now. <laughs> no, just um, I just for some reason my throat gets a bit weak after oh. an hour or so. Let's give you a rest. I noticed it because I did an, another buyer's guide the other day. I was yes. doing the voiceover for it. And I thought, God, I sound hoarse. I listened to that for about a minute and a half while I was watching it, and then turned the sound off. Excellent. And then just watched some images shows of the car su- driving past. Shows the support I have from my co-host here. <laughs> uh, as as usual, if you want to check us out on YouTube, it's The Miles Driven on YouTube. We've got the website, The Miles Driven, and of course, you're already listening to the podcast. So, But we do have a podcast, just but in case you don't know. At the moment, we have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might not know. You never yeah, know. That's fair. All right, everyone. Uh, Sam, anything to add before we go? Uh, as always, have a good week. All right, guys. See you later.